goodness gracious me, uh, this ball kids thing. I'm gobsmacked that this is an argument. As a junior tennis player, I would have given money uh, to them to be able to be on court with some of the stars of the game. It is so sad to think that the concept of volunteering within sport is under question through people's fixation with money. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Did you teach uh, that in, Chris? <laughs> I, bet, I bet he did. <laughs> um, although someone says, Wallace, this is, I agree with you, this is slavery. These Those kids have costs to get there, eat there, and be part of it. Too many organizations have a wealth of assets and buildings that rely on volunteers. Help your neighbor, sure, but build a business model without wages, that's stink. Do we know that they're not getting their lunches? Well, I don't know that. No, don't know it the might, may well be a false details. allegation. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll also find that maybe Larry of Larry Rebe- Larry's Rebels, he volunteered and um, you know taught people musical instruments, etc. Maybe he should have got maybe. paid on your by your rules. Maybe, maybe. Oh. Uh, it is twenty four to five. In those days, they hardly got paid for playing. That is true. This is true. Uh, 24 to 5, the panel, RNZ National, Ruth Money and Chris Wikaida with me today. The Financial Markets Authority is keeping a close eye on BNZ for its new staff performance scheme to make sure it is consistent with regulations on treating customers fairly. First Union says employees of the bank have been told to meet sales targets that will be linked to key performance indicators, and they're concerned. To explain why, we're joined by First Union General Secretary Dennis Magger. Kia ora, Dennis. Kia ora, and good afternoon to everyone. Very good to have you, Dennis. What concerns do you have, does First Union have, with this new or, uh, can we say, reintroduced new performance scheme? Yeah, I think we have to remember that in 2019, the F&A um, has banned the sales target in the banking sector because it's basically um, selling unnecessary products to many customers, which they don't need. So we fear that what BNZ is doing right now is actually reviving the sales target, which is actually detrimental to the services uh, for the customers. And, and could also lead to stress and uh, pressure to many staff that could actually lead to performance improvement plan and disciplinary actions, which we've been actually campaigning against for a long time. Can you give us a bit of a background to this, Dina, because it's gone off the radar a little bit, but four or five years ago, this issue was very big. Uh, in the news, sales targets and incentives offered uh, were exposed during the Australia's Royal Commission into misconduct in the finance sector there. Give us a, a little bit of an explainer. Yeah, yeah. what happened in the past was uh, many bank employees have been actually forced to sell different products from the bank. So what happened is that every time you transact with uh, bank employees instead of you uh, discussing your financial agenda, and you have to hear a lot of spiel from bank employees about different products like insurance, credit cards, et cetera, et cetera. And to the point that customers have been actually occur, um, recurring debts or loans that are not needed or there was some superficial information uh, that were actually provided to them. And in exchange of that, um, some of those bank employees are getting some incentives because they're reaching their target. But... Many of those bank employees uh, have been disciplined in the past because they were not able to meet 
uh, that sales target. And that's why we oppose this for a long time. And basically, this is an unethical practice, which we believe should not continue in New Zealand. Okay, yeah. Uh, we'll start with you, Chris, if you can recall. It was quite a big news uh, back, uh, actually, not so long ago. What of this for you? Yeah, I'm just interested in the, you know, referrals versus targets. I mean, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. I just <laughs> wondered what the difference was. Well, can we pick up on that, actually, Dennis, because they will say that they are not reintroducing sale targets. They are referral goals, and they are, in fact, in line with regulatory requirements. Well, if they're in line with what the rules are and they're not stepping stepping outside of them, but any sort of sales incentive or, you know, this is your goal, your incentive, your objective, your, you know, for the year, and if there's, if there's money attached they're not tar- to that. They're not targets, they're referral goals. They're a, they're, it's, 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 it's tomato, a, tomato. <laughs> well, if you reach your goal, does that put more money in your pocket? Dennis. Yeah, that, no, uh, I spoke to a couple of our union delegates and said to them that, hey, uh, would you be able to investigate whether this is not a sales target or a different regime? And what they said to me, this is actually across the board inconsistently, same all, same all, but different language. Mm. So they just actually reinvented uh, the methodology. It's actually the same, but reinvented a different language. Yeah, look, I agree. It's completely unethical. It's completely irresponsible. Um, I was shocked at the time when it blew up last time, and I'm disappointed that we're still having to talk about it this time. And I think, you know, the old, old, old adage of you get what you measure, and if they are going to be measuring referring me to getting a new credit card or referring me to um, getting insurance, I would like to see them um, measuring, referring the removal of products um, for clients. Uh, The referring, um, yeah, I I think Chris is right. It's tomato, it's tomato. Uh, But you get what you measure. And if they're being um, coerced into referring additional or add-on products, particularly in this economy, um, but it would be wrong at any time. Okay, so real concerns across our panel on this particular issue, Dennis. Uh, What assurances have you had from BNZ? You're the union. Well, that is actually unfortunate because we've been waiting for some information from uh, the company and we haven't received anything yet. And, and yet our members have been receiving information uh, from the company. And in fact, I just received an email from one of our members explaining about this conversion rate, five referrals. They have to be converted about 50%. And they uh, have to meet actually the salary, salary grade performance. And what is unfortunate about this one is that we've been thinking why the bank is doing this as early as this year. And based on our investigation, we need to understand that because of the high interest rates, the loan um, uh, situation right now actually has declined. So therefore, this is actually a profit-driven mechanism Mm. in order to rake more profits for the banks. And unfortunately, 65% of this profit goes to the parent company, which is the Australian banks. Right, okay. I do know, just finally, Dennis, I do know, I mean, just this is anecdotally, but uh, knowing a couple of uh, bank staff, there was quite a bit of psychological pressure to, and this is years ago now, uh, to meet those targets. It was quite stressful, and the implicit um, tone being the pressure that you put on the customer. Uh, As the union, do you have concerns that these pressures will, amongst the staff, start to reoccur? 
Oh, absolutely. That's why um, our phones are busy right now because members have been asking questions. Um, what we are avoiding here is that we're going to be dealing with a lot of performance improvement plans in the next 12 months. And this is the scenario that we don't want to, to be um, uh, with our members. Uh, we would like to see um, a healthy environment because otherwise this could become a health and safety concern. So we don't want a stressful environment because they need to meet their sales target. Okay, Dennis, thank you. That's uh, First Union General, generally, sorry, General Secretary Dennis Mega there. Uh, it is 4.43 on the panel. I just got to go back to this ball kids thing just one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Because often there's a couple of topics that take off every day, and this is, gosh, one of them. Uh, before we go to our next guest team, regarding ball kids, the kudos with peers for being chosen for this role is beyond price. It's BP. It's an amazing experience. A tennis-mad niece did this at Wimbledon years ago. It looked fantastic on her CV, subsequently enabling her to get paid work in sports administration. On the other hand, Bill says, your guests' arguments, both of them, for not paying people to do a job for an employer who needs to be done is actually truly awful. I have heard the same arguments applied to adult workers by employers justifying the denial of meal breaks and low pay rates. Well, if they don't want to accept it, there are plenty of others who, who would do it. I'm offering them experience after all. It's awful, uh, says Bill. Yeah, I would take umbrage with that to the point that I'm never keen on comparing children with adults. Okay, Chris. That's okay. Yep. All right, now... <laughs> One year on so from then. when, yeah, all right, from when many, I'm listening, I'm listening, a year on from when many Kiwis got their first COVID-19 booster vaccine, how is the country's immunity holding up and what reminders do we need about the booster? And let's take a look at these latest bivalent booster jabs. COVID is still causing or contributing to 30 to 40 deaths per week here in Aotearoa. With us is Professor Michael Plank from the University of Canterbury. Professor Plank, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. 30 to 40 deaths, that's, I mean, that's really significant, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. It is significant. And, um, you know, COVID-19 is, is going to continue to, to take a, a heavy toll um, you know, going forward. So really, we need to make make best use of the, the tools that we have. And really, the vaccine is, is by far the best tool we have to minimise illness and death. So this is a reminder right here, right now, that vaccines and antiviral treatments are still the best tool to minimise illness. Yes, absolutely. And of course, prevention is better than cure. Um, you know, the, the vaccine is, is so, so important. And there are a lot of people who are due for a, a dose of the vaccine, um, you know, including more than half of over 50s um, are, are due for um, for a booster, whether that's the third dose or the fourth dose um, for over 50s. Um, and so, you know, getting those doses into arms is, is really important and will go a long way to reducing yeah. uh, the, the health burden, burden that we're seeing from this virus. I see that more than half of over 50s, in fact, are still due for either their first or second booster. And I guess that includes me. I'm over 50 and I actually have to remind myself uh, to go down to uh, my local chemist and book myself in for a booster. I mean, do you think it's been put on the back burner by people? 
Um, yeah, I think, you know, possibly a little bit of complacency creeping in. Um, you know, we're all heartily sick of this pandemic. Yeah. Um, but, but it is a reminder that, it, you know, it is still putting people in hospital and it, it is unfortunately causing death. Um, each and every week. So, you know, getting those vaccines is still really, really important. Let's go to the panel. Ruth Money. Yeah, I'm one of those lucky ones who hasn't had, I don't, I'm a bit scared to actually announce this, but I'm touching a lot of wood. Um, I haven't had COVID as yet or certainly haven't known that I've had COVID yet. Um, but I do Gosh. wonder from a marketing background, it's not hard to target the Wallaces of the world. You know who they are. You know that they've had one, two, three, four, ten doses. Uh, what What is happening there in terms of some direct marketing to encourage boosters? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. We had such a such an emphasis on that initial rollout that maybe there's been a bit of sort of saturation, um, and, and people are sort of a bit over the the messaging. Right. I, I'm not sure, um, but yeah, I mean, we've got to look for look for ways to get that message out. Um, I mean, possibly trying to um, combine it with other um, visits to, to healthcare services. You know, perhaps if people can get their flu jab and their COVID booster. At the same time, that might be one, you know, one one way. Oh, yeah. um, and there are probably other things like that that we that we could look at. Just Chris? before Christmas, I had both an email and a text from the wonderful team at the Karori Medical Centre, oh, okay. reminding me I was um, I was due for, or I could have a um, my follow up booster. Good on you. So that looks like that might be a local practice yes. initiative. Yes. Yep. Oh, they're good. Now, they've, been, they've been awesome all the way through. Good on you. Hey, Michael. Now, uh, can you explain to us? Um, these latest bivalent booster jabs, other countries are doing it. Um, what of this? Yeah, that's right. So these are updated vaccines that specifically target um, the Omicron variant. Of course, the you know the original vaccines, the Pfizer that we've all had, was based on the um, the original version of the the virus back back in 2020. Whereas these ones are specifically based on on Omicron, and a lot of countries are, are using these now. Um, the UK has offered them to all over 50s since September of last year. And in fact, 65% of over 50s there have had a toast, which is, is really quite impressive. Um, and the data show that these vaccines halve uh, the risk of hospitalisation compared to people who've you know, had their last dose more than six months ago. Um, so they, you know, they really do make a difference. Um, and, and so I hope that you know, in New Zealand we'll start to, to use these updated vaccines in the near future. Yeah, I see that England, for example, they've offered these bivalent vaccines to over 50s since uh, actually, what, September of last year, and around 65% uh, have since had a dose. Yes, that's right. And, um, yeah, that, that will have made quite a difference, I think, to the, right. um, to the winter wave. You know, of course, ah. we're in the winter season at the moment, um, but our winter is going to start creeping up on us pretty quickly. So, you know, now is the time to to start looking at this and, and to start planning for, for offering these vaccines before we get into that, that winter period. Good on you, Michael. Kia ora. Thank you for your time. That's uh, Professor Michael Plank there from uh, University of Canterbury there. Uh, someone, actually quite a bit of response, quite a, still a, a lot of interest here. Uh, and another uh, listener says, look, a colleague of mine, uh, 51, age 51, died of COVID just before Christmas uh, do get your updates. Please get vaccinated. Uh, Ten to five, the panel on RNZ National. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, this year. We have Ruth Money and Chris Wikaida with me this afternoon. Now, 
you're used to hearing the horns on the panel, but now for something a little different. Isn't that great? That was one of the final performances of the biggest pipe band summer school in the Southern Hemisphere right here, Aotearoa. Drummers and bagpipe players from across New Zealand and Australia gathered in Christchurch to hone their skills at the Royal New Zealand Pipe Band Summer School. It's a big thing. It's proving popular amongst young people. With us is the Royal New Zealand Pipe Band Association's Liam Kernahan on the line. Kia Liam. It's great to be here. It's, I understand, it's a bit of a thing. I can recall the memories. I can't recall if I loved it or hated it. Waking up to bagpipes in Dunedin. Uh, uh, I lived next to a park and you had your bagpipes at 8.30am every Saturday morning. Why is it going through a renaissance? Yeah, well, and as you say, it's, it's certainly a popular thing in Dunedin, but we're seeing growth right throughout the country, right from rural Southland, right through Tairawhiti, Taranaki and up north. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, first of all, pipe bands and piping and drumming is for everyone and anyone. You know, it's a really modern, inclusive and diverse community where essentially it's not just about playing the pipes and the drums, but it's about learning new skills, making new mates and having fun. And And the second thing is, you know, in terms of, what kids have on offer today, you know, the opportunities with piping and drumming are endless. You know, for instance, later this year, our National Youth Pipe Band of New Zealand, who were at the summer school, are embarking on a bit of a world tour specifically through uh, North America. You know, Good for grief. Some of these kids, you know, exactly. And for some of these kids, you know, Wallace, they've, they've never, you know, been out in New Zealand, but yeah. at the end of the year, they'll have the opportunity to have performed at Disneyland. You know, they'll be playing alongside some of their idols and performing, and they'll be competing against in the world's best. So there really are opportunities abounding. Amazing. I mean, I can look, you know, don't call me. Uh, I'm not try, trying to be. Uh, um, what am I trying to say here? I can understand people getting into, say, hockey or ceramics or maybe even uh, cooking, but bagpipes. For those uninitiated, what's the appeal? Yeah, I mean, I think it is those opportunities that, that you wouldn't get in other areas, you know, for instance, as I say, the, the, the youth band are travelling overseas, but you also get opportunities to perform in front of your friends and family right throughout New Zealand. Okay. But it also is quite a unique skill, and it's yeah. more than just playing music, you know, you actually learn a lot of life skills through piping and drumming, which you might not get elsewhere. All right. What do you reckon, Ruth? Are you a bagpipe fan, Ruth Money? I am. My Scottish yeah. heritage, the Robertsons. Oh. I'm, I'm all about that. I Are would you? have to say, though, I didn't know that you could kind of... Uh, me too, growing up in South Island, they were all, you know, bagpipe people were always okay. in parks. But I didn't know that, didn't even think that I could enroll or learn. This is a big deal across the country. Deal. And they sound so cool. Do I, they? You know, I take my hat off to you and the team, Liam. Do you have many volunteers working oh, come on, for Ruth. you? Drop it. Helping the, the summer Drop the subject. school happening? Yeah, so the entire pipe band community um, from, from, from the Royal Pipe Band uh, Association is entirely voluntary, so everyone at the summer school... Well done, Liam. They should be paid. Background. 
yeah, um, and, and look, they, they, they do it because of the love of it. You know, actually, we've moved on from the traditional days of people wandering around just in kilts and wearing, you know, ginger, ginger wigs and stuff like that. You know, it's really modern. Kids are getting involved in modern compositions. They're getting yeah. new instruments involved. It's, it, it is really changing. Nice. Liam, Chris. you've talked about the camaraderie there. What about the competitive side of it? Because you, you're quite competitive, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Like like in any endeavour, you know, competition is absolutely an aspect. And, you know, a lot of our kids and, and players throughout New Zealand are certainly world beaters. You know, many of them travel to Scotland each year to compete in what is the summer circuit, but they travel and compete right throughout the world, and it's certainly a big part of what we do. Wallace, I hope those kids are getting paid to blow those big ones. <laughs> Uh, Liam, don't worry about that. We we're talking about uh, volunteerism earlier. Uh, I think it's just fantastic. Is there a actually... website or something that people can? Well, that's right. How do people find out about that's it? That's what Liam? I want to know. If, if, if this is piquing others' interest about getting into piping, where can one go? Yeah, absolutely. So you can visit our website, which is www.rnzpba.com, and there you can find out not only about your local pipe band, you can search for, 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 for them, but you can also find out more information about the summer school and all the other educational uh, opportunities we offer. One more question, Liam. I'm interested. You've got my interest now. Um, as an instrument, is it hard to play? What do, what do you do? You, you put a bag under your arm, you squeeze it or you massage it, is that right? And then, you, and then it's like a recorder, am I right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you've basically got it in one there. Look, I think a lot of people have the misconception that it's an instrument that takes decades and decades to learn, you know. It is quite simply going to your local pipe band, you know, picking up a set of sticks or picking up a set of bagpipes and learning the skill. No way! Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's offered right throughout the country. So, you know, I do encourage anyone out there who's got not just young kids who might be looking for new opportunities, but even yourself, Wallace, if you're keen to give it a go, I can get you in touch with your local pipe band. Well, 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 steady on, Liam. Come on, Wallace. I'm not going to go that far. He doesn't like to volunteer, Liam. There'll be a problem. I need to be be paid. Hey, Wallace, I'll pay you to go and do it. No, actually, on that we do. I do have Scottish heritage as well. Ah, So, well, Wallace, hello. Uh, So. So you never know, Liam, but for now, hey, well done, and um, sounds exciting. Thank you. I really appreciate that opportunity, Wallace. That's uh, Liam Koenigan from the Royal New Zealand Pipe Band Association, and on the volunteerism and kids getting paid, Peter says, Wallace, I disagree with you a lot, but right now, I'm with you on the ball, kids. What's so hard about standing up for children's rights? More power to you this year. Oh, see, that's see, Ruth? Nice. It's nice you've got some fans out there. Ah, that's a good. fan. <laughs> uh, it's three to five. You're on the panel. I thought what I'd do in the last three minutes is because we've got Chris Wikaida and Ruth Money. And I thought I would canvas their predictions for what is going to be a big year. What sort of a year will it be? What sort of an election are they anticipating? And any issues that will rise to the surface above all others? Let's start with you, Chris, first. Well, I I think um, the the ones that are going to rise to the surface are pretty much already there, and they are the ones that that Ruth has been talking about, particularly at the start of the program, and that is about cost of living. Um, Because I I remember in a similar position a few years ago um, with the 99 election campaign, and uh, our colleagues on Morning Report then said, OK, Chris, what are the big issues for Māori for this uh, um, election campaign? Treaty settlements, rights, water, what is it? I said uh, health, education, and paying the mortgage or the rent. Um, And and I think it's those things, those basic things, um, and surviving week 
to week, months to month, and for the rest of the year, they're, they're going to be the um, they're going to be the key focus. I think there'll be a lot of um, noise around the periphery about the whole COVID staff and did the government do it right or wrong over the last couple of years and and, and, and that part of it um, and then the co-governance stuff and three waters and that will be political issues but they're not actually what the majority of people are worried about. They're worried about paying their bills and feeding their kids. I 100% agree. I think it needs to come back to humanity. I really hope um, that everybody in Aotearoa can find whatever they need for wellness this year. Um, there are so many vulnerable people, there are so many pressures out there um, that are, you know, whether it's being outside, whether it's being survive, you know, around with people who love you, we need to make sure that we stay positive. And please, let's just have a clean election where we play the issues, we don't play the people. Love having you both on the panel, really do. Happy 2023, both of you. Ruth Money. Chris Bukaita, thank you. Thanks to Charlie Driven, my producer. I am back tomorrow, 3.45 till then.